Hey guys, I'm Lexi Smith, travel enthusiast, lover of puns, pizza, and wine, PR coach, and founder of the PR Bar Inc. And you're tuning in to the Pitchin' and Sippin' podcast. Today's newsworthy founder, Geisha Haas, is the founder and CEO of Dreamers and Doers, a private collective that amplifies extraordinary entrepreneurial women through thought leadership, authentic connection, and access. Dreamers and Doers has built a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem of over 34,000 women globally. Geisha has been featured on Bloomberg TV, CNN Money, The New York Times, Huffington Post, Business Insider, Forbes, Fortune Magazine, Refinery29, Vice, and other major media outlets, and was also a featured speaker at the United Nations 60th session of the Commission on the Status of Women. She is a regular content contributor to NASDAQ, Brett Co., and 500 Startups. She has also won a multitude of awards, including, but not limited to, Empowered Woman of the Year, Best Remote CEO, and Full Pause, fresh off the press, since we recorded Forbes Next 1000 2021, The Upstart Entrepreneurs Redefining the American Dream. In today's episode, we talk all things dreamers and doers, we pull back the curtain on what goes into landing big time awards, what PR and visibility has done for Geisha and her community, the strategy behind her unique onboarding and membership process, and much more. Oh, and she invites everyone over to her house for a mezcal sour. So without further ado, let's get started. I first heard about dreamers and doers from a client and friend of mine and immediately submitted an application to join. I then had to exercise patience because as you guys will learn, dreamers and doers has a very specific and selective membership approval process, but spoiler alert, I got in, yay me, and it was the very first onboarding call when I had the privilege to meet Geisha and within, I don't I don't know, two seconds of her speaking, I already knew that I was going to love this woman. Geisha, I am so excited and honored to have you on the show today. Welcome officially. I have so much I want to get into with you, but I always kick things off by asking this question. What is it that you like to do outside of work for fun? I, as community leader, ironically, really love spending time alone with myself. So if I don't, I have two young kids. So if I'm not working and if I'm not with my kids, um, I like being on my own and ideally doing nothing. <laughs> I feel that I, I always mess this up. I'm either an introverted extrovert or the, the opposite of that, where I need me time. I can't always be on, which people are surprised about because I'm in PR. But do you, do you resonate with that at all? So much and I actually feel nearly like self-conscious about it but I think as someone who just constantly gives by being you know in PR or being a mother or being a community leader you need a little time just for yourself and to process and I find that jobs like that um, roles like that like you attracted to them if you're like a sensitive person and you love other people um, so you do need a little bit barrier because otherwise you can't continue giving to others. Mm, I've never heard it worded that way but you are so accurate 
and I am for sure sensitive. My husband, my mom, everyone will tell you that. So <laughs> there's definitely something to that. Um, I also want to know where in the world are you located? I am in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I was in New York for 13 years before and I moved here pre-COVID three years ago um, because our company is fully remote. Um, but I was born actually in Africa and I'm half German and half Chinese. The coolest person ever. So cool. Okay. So you, speaking of the coolest person ever, you're an entrepreneur, investor, mentor, advisor, and the founder and CEO of Dreamers and Doers. You do so many things, but first I want to rewind time a bit. What came before the inception of Dreamers and Doers? Yes. So I did not know what I wanted to do out of college and in some ways fell into finance because I was like, oh, if I start out with finance, I'll have other options after. But I did, um, I worked at a hedge fund for five years on the investment side, then worked for a few early stage startups before Dreamers and Doors started by accident out of a personal need. Out of, a, okay. And so we'll get to that. But, but first, what is, I keep saying Dreamers and Doers, let's officially tell people if they don't know what it is, what is it? <laughs> Yes, Dreamers and Doers is a private collective for extraordinary entrepreneurial women. And what we do is we provide thought leadership opportunities, um, authentic connection and access. And um, one really special part about our secret sauce, which I probably should be blasting out, <laughs> is our curation. So we highly curate for um, members that are impressive and values driven. So the values driven part is really, really important. That makes Dreamers and Doers just, it's, it's actually quite hard to curate for that, but it's a huge, huge differentiator what makes it so special. Mm, yeah, and I'm going to comment on that in a bit. But first, you, you said there was an accident that happened. Let's hear that accident that brought this about. Um, the happy and very hard accident was um, after I had a background in finance and startups, even after those backgrounds, I felt very ill-equipped to start a company from scratch. And I learned it the hard way. So for anyone, being a man or a woman, starting something from scratch is so hard. Like you have so much self-doubt. There's so many things you're doing for the first time. In my case, friends and family could not relate. Like, why did you quit your you know, full-time job? And what are you even working on? And it was just a really big struggle. And I had definitely a few meltdowns. But because of that, I realized how different things were the moment I joined forces with other women who were on similar paths. It was completely life-changing. We were like, it actually started out with a co-working brunch. And for the first time we weren't, you know, talking about other people or about talking about like, you know, what, you know, event we were going to, but we were talking about work. We were talking about our doubts. We were tangibly trying to support each other, talking about our work, cheerleading for each other, also calling each other out by um, underselling ourselves in terms of we'd always be like, oh, you know, I can, I'm kind of just starting out with this thing. We're like, no, you have to like word it differently. Like you have to own it more. So I just noticed how different things were and Dreamers and Doors at that time wasn't called that it was literally just just getting brunch it, it wasn't it didn't have a name um but it was this thing that i kept organizing on the site every single weekend it was my kryptonite it was the one thing i couldn't stop working on and while my other business um, actually changed business ideas a few times and i don't think any of them were like bad ideas but i just couldn't persevere with it um as much as i could with um, dreamers and doers and a year into it after consistently um, working on it, um, it had grown so much that I either had to stop working on it or go full-time. And it's funny too, because uh, quite a few people were like, oh, you should work on this. And I'm like, no, it's a community. It's not a business. But then I was put into this position where it was taking up so many resources. I didn't have a choice and not working on it anymore wasn't an option. So I just had to see what it could grow into. And that's what brought us to where we are today. So when was that, were you in New York? And what year was this? Yeah. So this was 
So minus seven, eight years from today, um, 2014, I believe. Um, and it was in New York City. Um, so it definitely helped at that time to have been based there, just having a momentum, having a network, and even today being based in Jackson, it does benefit me to have such a robust network um, because I can leverage it to benefit the community. Um, and But that's where it started out. But right now we have members all over the world, although biggest hub, um, over half a percent of our members are based in New York, but especially with COVID, um, it's become a lot more distribu distributed. <laughs> In Ventura, California. Hey, me yeah. holding down the fort. Yeah, no, it's it's incredible. Um, and now I need to insert my personal note because I have joined many communities, both pre-entrepreneurship and now in entrepreneurship. I am still to this day in a variety of different and genuinely dreamers and doers is one of the most inspiring and valuable cohorts I've ever been a part of. And I'm not just saying this to make you smile, but there you go. There, please do smile. I really mean this. Um, and I wouldn't have invited you onto the show if I didn't feel this way. So you told us how it started. What are some of the steps that you've taken to grow it from brunch to now a business? What were the, like the, you know, you said seven years, what are the different steps, you know, that have happened along the way? Yes. And I will say the initial parts were quite organic. So initially it was, I didn't have in mind that this would become a business. So very organically just looked what I gravitated towards. And I actually do like quoting Steve Jobs for this because he said that it's really hard to connect the dots before the fact, it's really straightforward after the fact. So at that time, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have you know, seen this path ahead of me. And it's good to sometimes just not overthink and just see what you gravitate towards and then figure out you know, the in-between afterwards. But for me, um, it was just going with what I felt inclined with. Um, and then, so the first step was brunch. The second step was we created a Facebook group to stay in touch. And it was very quiet at the beginning and it wasn't even intended to be like an active community, but just one step led to another step, led to another step. And then so um, one year in, we had a pretty big Facebook group and um, brunches every week. And that's when I decided to work full-time on it. Initially, like many other businesses, um, there was trial and error and trial and error. I don't think there's formally something that you could do wrong but in our case like figuring out what we did not want to do in our case so we had a cto who's amazing and still is a member up to this day but we were building out our own platform we interviewed with um, y combinator they flew us out to palo alto and we realized that this wasn't the path we wanted to go because um, i dropped everything in my life to work on dreamers and doors and oftentimes when you take venture funding especially early on it's growth at all costs so that's something that we had to go through especially because that's what everyone talks about like getting funding and doing all of that but we had to kind of try on um, those clothes those shoes to figure out that that wasn't right for us the shoe didn't fit and with that we decided to monetize early and to leverage existing technologies that would make us much more lean and wouldn't require outside funding and in many ways and i've written about this but like it's a very unsexy approach right you don't read in TechCrunch about a company becoming profitable you you know read about them you know getting lots of funding and all of that stuff but um in new york i sometimes be at events and um, tech events and obviously many dues but also lots of um, like sizing you up, like, oh, how big's your office? How much, you know, how much funding have you taken in? And there's definitely moments I felt self-conscious. And even up to this day, once in a while, um, I will be like, oh, should we have taken a different path? But generally, um, it was a very intentional decision, right? Like every path has their pros and cons. So we intentionally decided to not go 
um, the venture funded path. And with that, we were able to prove out that there was demand for what we're doing. And um, so many companies, especially during COVID, uh, but even outside COVID and lots of female funded companies have imploded who, were who took outside funding that were you know, media darlings and nothing wrong with press. I love press, obviously, like that's, we can get to that, but that's obviously a core part of our offering too. But um, it, it, we went that route and from there, we just take a step and one after another, we just figured out what our offerings would be. And even up to this day, it's always evolving. It always is as our membership grows and as our, you know, um, the times change, we always keep adding to our offerings. So you've said this, you've kind of hinted at this a couple of times, you know, the word intention and intentionally curating the members that you do, not just anyone can become a dreamer and doer. You have a very specific um, time specific or time constricted for lack of a better word, enrollment period and process. So first, can you just tell everyone a little bit more about that process? Yes, we only accept members once a quarter. And the reason we do that is so that we can make sure it's a really game-changing experience because it's such a high-touch community. And we want to make sure that we can welcome members, that they feel welcomed and that we can um, deliver certain offers to them right when they join. So that's why it's only once a quarter, quality over quantity. And um, members have to apply and they get reviewed by a membership committee. And um, it's easy because it's just two factors, but it's hard because it can manifest in many different ways. So they need to be able to contribute to the community and they need to want to contribute. So it's usually not a fit for someone who um, is maybe has doesn't have any work experience at all just because it's harder to contribute. Um, and yeah, that's kind of part of our offering that, you know, that it's other badass women that have um, achieved something really impressive in their life. And the, and so you guys, in the beginning, I said I had to exercise patience because I think I, I like applied right after they had just let in their last cohort. So I had to wait like a whole quarter. And I remember sending Hannah, who's in charge of membership, very polite email, like, hi, I'm just curious. When's, when's the date? And, you know, just had to put on my patient's pants, but I think it, you, the onboarding experience really was one of the most phenomenal ones I've ever been through. Um, so A, kudos. B, I'm curious, do you have any tips for those listening who wish to execute a similar strategy and similar strategy by really intentional, time-specific, we'll call it launches or openings or enrollment? First, I'll say to figure out if it's the right fit for you because every community comes in different shapes and sizes. So figuring out what is the core goal of your community and then what are, is the infrastructure that will support that. It's not the right fit for everyone. And there's lots of downsides like to it. Um, but in our case, we want people to truly, they, we want people to who want to truly be there, right? Someone who can't wait another month or another two months, maybe they aren't the best fit, but for sure we're foregoing some members that we otherwise would have captured if we didn't have this approach. Then if you do decide that cohort-based makes sense for you, um, automations are ideal if you can do some of it. I will say we probably only, we don't actually have a lot of ours automated, but, um, and I wish we had. Um, obviously still feeling like there's a personal touch, but I think there's some ways to, um, to look into it, especially these days, um, because there's so much technology that has launched to support communities and courses that weren't available at the time that we started. So trying to keep in mind at the beginning, 
what you're trying to do and trying to keep the technology in mind before you even execute, because then you might slightly tweak what you're doing and um, save yourselves a lot of headaches. So I'm laughing because my phone just vibrated and I looked down, it was a notification from Dreamers and Doers because I have um, that community as something that is allowed to show up on my phone because I really, I appreciate what is posted. Um, and right now you, you are on a platform called Circle, which for those who are, are in the community space, they, they may have heard of, they may not, you know, I would say Mighty Networks perhaps is a competitor. I prefer Circle. I like Circle. Do you have like a quick what is Circle description that you've been able to kind of master more than what I just said? <laughs> totally. It's a um, community platform that's very versatile. It was actually started by the founding team of Teachable. And we've been looking for another platform for a long, long time. Mighty Networks was one of the ones that we were considering and do love them, especially if you um, have a course course that you're launching. Um, it makes, but I noticed that they were more focused on doing a great job for um, courses. And that's one reason we didn't opt for them. And if you have a Facebook group or you have a Slack group, I highly encourage checking out Circle. Um, the one disadvantage maybe to Facebook is that you wouldn't have organic growth as much, but especially if you have a group that doesn't rely on that, um, highly recommend Circle. Present time as a thank you for tuning into the show. I am gifting all of my listeners a completely free Pitch It Good checklist, which outlines all the things you should do before you ever hit send on a pitch, ever. To snag it, all you have to do is visit my website. We'll also put this link in the show notes at theprbarinc.com slash pitch it good. Let's talk a little bit more about one of the benefits I think is really, really cool to dreamers and doers and this podcast, and that's the multitude of visibility offerings that you provide exclusively to members. I mean, you guys literally have an editorial board on staff. So my question is, how did you develop the media relationships in order to be able to offer these amazing perks and opportunities to your members? I will say that it is quite hard to do, and I'm sure you, that's why you have a fantastic business, because these people get reached out to all the time. And even for my case, like now that we um, publish so much on our members, I get outreach all the time from non-members wanting to get featured. So it is in high demand, and it is a relationship that takes a lot of finesse, because um, there's so much outreach to these individuals, right? So um, for us, it was taking a step back and first seeing like what publications even cover the topics that we want to cover and in the format that we want to cover it. So to give a specific example, and we love mentioning and featuring multiple members in one piece and not every publication will do that or they'll do it and they won't include images. So that's a really great way to um, weed out and um, be more focused and then reaching out. I will say there are some publications we've tried to reach out a lot and we've never, it's never worked out and others, we have an initial conversation and it's such a great fit. So it's, um, a little bit like pitching an investor where it's a numbers game. It's about being thoughtful. It's about reaching out and also being creative. So not all of our partners are traditional PR firms. Some of them are companies or brands that happen to have a blog that is very much aligned with our audience. So figuring that out as well and kind of thinking a bit broader than what traditionally might be considered a publication. So visibility is you have like these three main 
pillars of the benefits of being a dreamer and doers? I guess real quick, what are the other two? One is authentic connection. And I'll briefly mention because we find that the professional side is so supercharged when you emphasize the personal side, right? Like if I know why you're working on the company that you're working on, what else is going on, I'm much more likely to drop everything and help you on a professional level if I have that connection with you. So authentic connection, super important. We don't want giving to be transactional. And the last part is access, which is just a catch-all. So the team will have relationships maybe to advisors, mentors, or we'll provide um, access to each other, events with thought leaders. Um, so access is um, a big range of different things that an entrepreneur could need. So access, authentic connection and visibility. What made you identify visibility as one of the most important pillars to, to offer your community? There's two parts to it. For one, when running a company, I think it's so important to run a company that you as the founder are deeply passionate about. Um, so that's where it started because I love cheerleading and amplifying others. And in order to change the gender gap, I think it's really important to for women to be visibly represented because I'd read business articles and it was just like advice from dudes and nothing against dudes. I'm married to a dude, but it... You know, like like some of the things I'm going through completely, like some of the advice just completely didn't translate to me. So that was like my deep initial passion to just want to invest in that. And it's one thing I can't stop working on. And then the second part was that um, as entrepreneurs, and I found it as women entrepreneurs, we don't celebrate ourselves enough. So having that external validation, especially if you're more early stage, is so important. One, for you believing in yourself, but also your network. Like I've seen so many members share features that were made possible through Dreamers and Doors on their social media networks. And just seeing their networks come out and celebrate them and even learn for the first time in some cases what their new company is, has been game changing because now they have all these supporters, people that are aware of it. And it's like, it's become much more real. So it's just like um, this great circle that keeps benefiting members and us as well. Yeah, I'm a, all my clients know this. I could not snap, clap, agree with you more about the need to celebrate. And one of the, the things I have here with my company is to celebrate all of life's wins, no matter how small. And so I just, one more thing I'm aligned with, with what you guys do. That being said, on the note of visibility, you personally have been featured in outlets such as CNN, Forbes, the Huffington Post, Bloomberg, many, many more. And you've won, an, a, I would say, an insane amount of awards. So just to list a few, everyone, um, Empowered Women of the Year, Best Remote CEO, Top New York Talent Cultivators, Best of Tech on Twitter, and there were many, many more. But the question I have for you is, have winning these awards specifically and being able to list them in your assets done anything positive or I guess, or negative flip side of the coin for you and your company? I'd say it's only been positive. It's one of the rare instances where I can't really think of a negative. And it's like I'm now these days when I'm applying for something, sometimes I'll be like, oh, this is this invite only trip or invite only event. Um, more and more, I see a section of like, hey, what are awards you've won? Because I think that's a really quick way for organizers, organizations to be able to tell how high caliber someone is, if they've been featured or not. So it's helped in that regard. And I've noticed recently, now that there's been more and more awards, that whenever I do a talk or when I'm on a podcast, that these awards are being read out. I haven't even provided them. People find them and they read them out because it just really helps 
with credibility to establish yourself and make sure that people know that you're a thought leader or have um, achieved some things in your life? Yeah. I mean, case in point, I literally, you're on a podcast and I just read them out. So (laughs) to prove your point right here. So follow-up question on that. How have you secured these awards? Have you had to proactively go after them or have they kind of just shown up on your doorstep, so to say? I've been fortunate and actually I don't like saying fortunate because it's so easy. I think and women do this a little bit more like, oh, I've been so lucky. But it's obviously there is some luck for sure, but also it is a result of our hard work. And the vast majority, except of one that I can think of right now, um, that were all inbound. So the only one that I remember applying for was Forbes 1000. And I highly recommend anyone who is an entrepreneur should apply for it. It basically is any entrepreneur who makes less than 10 million. Um, they, yeah, they've done two instances now and they're going to have two more of 250 each. So apply, apply, apply. Um, for all the others, um, actually there was one that was an award where I you needed to nominate and I you know, ask someone, like, can you nominate me? Like, if you see people receiving rewards, I'm sure at least half of them ask someone to nominate them. Like, you should do it because that allows you to have a bigger impact in your life. Don't be shy about that. Um, all others were inbound. And I think because running a community, obviously, is very helpful. So at least two or th- three of them um, were, were a direct result out of having a community and members seeing the work that we're doing and wanting us to succeed. Um, so that's helpful. And I'd say it all happens gradually. Like, my very, very first talk I gave, I think public talk was maybe five years ago or something, or maybe not that long ago, right? And I remember how nervous I was. And it's crazy, like, just maybe I didn't do a talk after that for two, three months, but like, it just very gradually adds on to it. So I think just if you're earlier along in your journey, anyone listening, just know that it doesn't, like for no one, anyone that you see who's doing a lot of talks and TV interviews, they, they didn't start that way. And just like starting small and not overthinking it, um, just, and also sharing it every single time you were featured, share it because someone might see it and they might tell their friend or like a year later, they might reach out and ask to interview you. So don't be shy about sharing it. It's really, really important. And I'm sure that was a big reason, like so many of these awards have been inbound. And thank you for pulling back the curtain in the realities of it and yeah, it's actually, I recently wrote an article on this. Some, there reaches a point in your career where a lot of these awards become inbound. They're coming after you. But more often than not, and I guess really depending on the category of award you're going after, there is some level of proactiveness needed by you or your team. The Forbes 1000 is a perfect example. An example I always give is the Inc. 5000. You have to apply to be considered. Now, the application process is quite extensive, right? So you're really vetted, but it's not like, you know, you wake up one day and the Inc. 5000 award is sitting on your doorstep. So I think that's just helpful for people to hear when they they see competitors or friends or other companies winning awards. And the question is asked of how you know, you got to do a little searching, right? There's there's some awards that need to be applied for, some is submission, and then eventually, yeah, some do come for you. I'll share this really quick, um, just because it's kind of funny and I think it's happening a lot. There are a lot of small niche media outlets that do, it's a form of pay for play award lists. And one right now that's going to be coming out on me soon, they reached out to me. I'm sure this happens to you all the time, Geisha, like pay us X and we'll list you as the top 10 Y. Well, this, this specific company, and I won't specifically call them out, reached out to me like two months ago. They're like, 
we want to feature you. It's $3,000. I said, no, thank you, but appreciate you like reaching out to me. They came back to me a couple weeks later. Oh, we'll give it to you for 2000. I'm like, still only doing organic opportunities, but again, all the respect, wish you nothing but the best. They just came back to me last week and said, okay, fine. We'll do it for free. I was like, I mean, if literally it's free, sure. And so I, I, I just wanted to share that story to, for anyone, try it, try going, going back and see if you can play with um, the smaller ones, but not with like the Forbes and the, the inks, sorry, kind of squirrel, but that, I thought that's kind of an interesting story that just happened to me. That, you know, your kindness to them, right? Like some people might not reply at all. And I think that was a big reason that they, you know, offered it to you for free. Yeah. Thank you. I, you know, at the end of the day and people get really mad and I've seen some really nasty responses thrown back at these, these companies, their businesses too, you know, and they have a right to operate the business model they want to operate just as you have a right to participate. So if you don't want to participate, you know, don't be a jerk, just say, you know, no, thank you. Like, I appreciate you, but no, thank you. So exactly. And there's a need for that. Like some people are so grateful that this opportunity exists, that they can pay for it and advance their business or their personal profile. Yes. So yeah. Anyways, I'm sorry. Thank you for letting me, me squirrel on that topic for a second. Um, I have one more kind of more general peer question before kind of a fun wrap up one. And it's a bit more general. As an entrepreneur, this is like kind of an umbrella question. What role do you think PR and awards have played in growing your company and your career? Yes. So I like saying about PR and social media, it can be tricky because it can easily become a vanity metric, right? So it's all about being strategic. And I'm sure like you advise your clients, I'm sure so well on this. Because what's the goal with it? Because it can very easily be a huge time suck, um, resource suck, and not achieve the results and be a huge opportunity cost that might actually lead to you not succeeding. So with that in mind, um, being intentional about, um, hey, do I want a really big name to validate me? Or do I want a really small industry magazine, but that has the right audience to get me a further reach um, is important. Um, how it's helped me, it has hugely helped with my visibility and credibility, just like People will look at my bio and see all these names and take me serious. Um, I'm sure I've been invited to talks because of that. Um, it's kind of funny because I don't think, I mean, I, I'm just hustling every day at home, um, half of the time in my PJs. So it's so funny that sometimes, you know, people are like nearly intimidated by it. I'm like, oh, I'm like the least intimidating person. But um, it really helps with that credibility and, and it opens doors and um, has people honestly like... Um, engage with you with more respect and respect your time more. And um, even like, it can be easy to spend too much time on it. So there's, I say no a lot to opportunities. Um, so just knowing when to say yes and when to say no is equally important because a, net, a no means you're able to say yes to something else instead. Yes, bold, underline, italic, could not agree more. Sometimes saying yes can cost you more than saying no. That goes for clients, for press, for life, right? So I think that's really, really great advice. Um, we've talked a lot about all things pitching. Now I have to ask, what can we find you sipping? So what is your favorite beverage, either non-alcoholic or alcoholic? I'll pick alcoholic because I had back-to-back -back pregnancies. So I'm like, okay, like now that I can drink again, finally, I'm going to pick the adult beverage. It is um, mezcal sour. Mezcal sour. Okay, I know mezcal. What's the sour part? 
you add lemon juice and egg white in it and a little bit of syrup and you shake it up and it it's fun you can easily do it at home and it just feels like you're at a special specialty cocktail bar never in my life had it um Again, I, I've said this before. My routine listeners are like, Look, you always say this. I am consistently floored by people's drinks that they bring up on this show and me not having had them and just the diversity. I think when I first started asking this question, I thought everyone would be like, wine, beer, or like have the same mojito. It's always been different. So I think it's it's super, super fun to hear that as well. Mezcal sour. Um, any kind of, I like to give this opportunity to, I know we're COVID, but the hospitality and restaurant industry has been hit hard. Any local Wyoming kind of watering holes you'd like to give a shout out to? Maybe they have a great mezcal sour or, or maybe not. It's so funny because we are in Jackson and a lot of people can drive here and it's by the national parks. They've actually been killing it. Like we can't get takeout because the restaurants want to take out because it's so busy because everyone who is con- like, everyone's just here. So mezcal sour said our place. <laughs> Yes, I love it. That's great. That's and that's so true. I went to Yosemite for um, anywhere that's like outdoor has has done well in the communities that that's around that. So last question before I let you get going. I want to point people to where they can learn more about you dreamers and doers and get more information. So where would you like them to head? For Dreamers and Doers, it's our website, which is dreamersdoers.com. So that's just those two words, dreamersdoers.com. And we have all the information there. Highly recommend signing up for our newsletter if membership isn't a fit right now or you don't want to apply immediately. We've gotten so many rave reviews about it. It's a free resource that comes out once a month um, about me um, on any social media platform. I'm very honest on Instagram if you want to just have lots of real talk. But otherwise, LinkedIn is perfect. And I look forward to connecting with anyone um, who wants to learn more. And I have to call one more thing out just because listeners can't see this. Um, we're, we're on Zoom right now recording this and her Zoom handle says dreamy human. And it's my favorite Zoom handle I've ever seen. So we'll, we'll link all the, the Geisha's personal kind of social networks and dreamers and doers. I'm such a fan of you, of what you've created. Every single woman I've already connected with the community. I just want to say big time Thank you for coming on the show today. And this is just the beginning of our relationship. So cheers to that. Cheers to that. Thank you so much. So honored to be here and love your questions and the entire conversation. Thank you. Hey guys, if you are enjoying the Pitchin' and Sippin' podcast, please do me a huge favor and leave a review wherever you are listening. If you want to connect with me to learn more about the PR Bar Inc., you can do so on Instagram at the PR bar underscore Inc. Or you can check out my website at the PR bar Cheers.